Welcome to this week's episode of the Nerd Normie podcast. I'm a nerd who went to film school. And I'm normal and almost exclusively watched horror movies up until I met Everett. Alright, this week we are covering two different films. The first one we are going to cover is... Renfield, directed by Chris McKay. And then next we're going to cover A Thousand and One by A.V. Rockwell. Alright, we are going to be starting with a spoiler-free review and then go into spoilers for each movie. Uh, We will leave time codes at the bottom to show where you can skip around if you don't want any spoilers. Mr. Renfield, welcome. I am Velocula. Starting off with Renfield, directed by Chris McKay. This stars Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt, who play a vampire and his assistant... And it kind of just demonstrates how their relationship has changed over the centuries and how uh, the assistant Renfield now wants out. Yeah, and uh, it also features Aquafina. Interesting. First of all, I would just say that this movie is a lot right off the bat. It is. And there's not really any, like, ease into it. It just starts full power and goes full craziness the whole movie it's definitely a wild ride and nicholas cage's dracula plays right into that is yeah dracula it is pretty is... crazy uh nicholas cage i think if anyone else in the entire world is cast in this role this movie falls apart instantaneously but because of the status he holds in all of our lives it works in many regards you know it's not a perfect movie but I would not say it was a waste of time. I I enjoyed myself across most of it. Yeah. I would say it has a relatively okay plot that makes... It makes sense the way they explain it, but it's not... It's about as clear as the Mario plot for me. Like, it's it, it makes sense, but it's also like, why now? Why are we doing it? You know, it kind of just falls into place a little bit falls into the laps of all the characters so it's not the strongest plot but it it's fun and i feel like the jokes do land and the jokes hit for most of the movie and the characters are played by actors that we really enjoy all around so yeah i was definitely laughing um actually a lot more than i thought i would i was not the most excited for this movie um i you know i like Nicolas cage but i think the hammy nature of him that humor usually doesn't work for me but it kind of fit this dracula in a way it was written for him it feels like uh so that came across well i will say it tried to speak somewhat to some deeper emotional stuff and tried to have like an emotional core that was super resonant and i think there were a few times where it just felt like they forgot about that and did stuff that went back on it or would upset people in those actual situations just for the sake of comedy or moving the plot forward so while it's not inherently bad um or like offensive or anything i just think they either could have played more into that dynamic um and situations or pulled back a little bit in some of the more humorous moments and not played it off as such a joke all the time. Yeah. Um, One of the characters who I don't think you found very funny was 
Ben Schwartz's character, who was Teddy Lobo, but I love Ben Schwartz. I love him so much. He was in Parks and Rec. He played Jenny Slate's brother in Parks and Rec, and they are just the funniest duo. So just seeing him in a movie that's like this big with this many like very famous actors was just perfect for me. I really love him. If he keeps doing roles like this, I could see him in 30 years being the Nicolas Cage for that generation. Justin, this this character is way over the top, crazy, out there, physical comedy, outlandish faces and gestures, and just fully committed to the role. And yeah, I most of his jokes, I was just like, okay, yeah, that's <laughs> that's fine. Um, but I, I can see why you like that. Yeah, no, I just love him in general. So anything he does, I'm going to laugh at. I think he's just darling. But yeah, so the movie, it was an okay plot. It was solid casting. There was a lot of gore, way more than I was expecting. And it's yep. like, it's pretty brutal gore, I would say. Yeah, it's um, it's it toes that line of almost like a Deadpool style of where it's just like, the most violent thing you can think of and then they do it in camera and you know a mix of cgi blood and practical effects pull it off um and it it works well it's not distracting or you know uncomfortable with the amount of gore uh but it is a lot yeah and there's i don't know some things that they don't really elaborate on some things don't really get wrapped up well but it's just it's like a fun movie I would say it would be the perfect movie to watch at like a Halloween party you know what I mean like it's very you don't have to be super present for it to understand what's happening and it could be just a background party movie that would be fun but not really something that like you're gonna be like oh my gosh you have to go see this movie yeah, it would be fun with a few friends over, or even, honestly, I think this would actually be a pretty fun date movie. I think we had a fun night. We did. Um, and it, you know, it's light, it's breezy, it's, um, I'm not sure what the runtime is, but it doesn't feel long. Uh, and, you know, it'll give you plenty to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, I think Aquafina's character, she's almost playing like a the straight man to the craziness of the world. And yet there are some moments where she's being told to go full comedy. And so she gets a little lost in those two roles. There's this one gag where she's looking back down a hallway, takes a couple steps, turns around again, takes a couple steps. And she does that like five times. And it's like, it's funny. But at the same time, like five seconds earlier, she was being super serious. And the next scene you see her in, she's going to be the serious, you know, straight person to the comedy craziness of the movie. And so I think because they cast someone who's so comedically talented, they wanted to give her jokes. But I think she's good enough that if they had taken a few of those back and she had committed fully to the the straight man role, um, it could have been even better. Yeah, I agree. Um, Also with that, I do feel like they added too many random serious side plots to go into such a comedic movie. Because her relationship with her sister is based off of trauma from their past, um, which we'll go into more during the spoiler section, but I I feel like that plot didn't have to be there at all. Yeah, I would say, like, a a good comparison for this movie, and I happened to just rewatch this the other day, uh, is Bullet Train. Action, comedy, bit gory at times, super fun, 
Um, but the difference is this movie tried to have a super strong emotional heart with every character having some sort of crazy backstory that's super deep. Whereas in Bullet Train, most everybody's just light and breezy. There's the one uh, subplot of the father and son that's more serious. But because there's just the one, they can focus on that one and let everything else be a bit more zany and crazy. And I think this movie would have benefited from doing that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also think the setting of New Orleans is not really used. It was in New Orleans? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it takes place down in New Orleans. um, And as you can see, didn't really notice. It just feels like a city. It could have been just a made-up world for all we knew. Like, it really, outside of at the start, it has like a title card or maybe shows a street sign or something that says New Orleans. Uh, and then all the police department stuff has New Orleans on it. Outside of that, there's no touching on the culture, the food, the people. It just, like, it's such an interesting city to put it in and not use, especially with this type of film. I feel like bringing in some New Orleans culture could have really made this movie stand out a bit more. Yeah, that's fair. I, yeah, I had no idea it was even in New Orleans, so... Alrighty, skip ahead. If you do not want any spoilers for Renfield, here we go. Okay, so this movie follows Renfield, who back, I believe he said in the Great War? Yeah, it was early 1900s, I believe. Yeah, he ended up, he was like a realtor lawyer who wanted to make money off of some deal. They don't really go too much into what the deal actually was or how this happened, but then Dracula ends up coercing him kind of into being his assistant well that's the way that Renfield puts it Dracula ends up putting it that he wanted to make the money and wanted a good life so he chose this life but and I think there's a bit of truth in both Renfield was so desperate to be rich and successful that he didn't look too much into the deal he was signing and Nick Cage or Dracula knew what he was going to be doing and never disclosed yeah. how dangerous this was and then now it's current present day and Renfield is realizing how toxic of a relationship he's in with his boss and wants to leave he goes to his support group regularly for people who are in toxic relationships or have been who also want to leave and there's like a side plot where there is a crime family called the Lobos and they run the city basically selling drugs and doing murder and they killed Aquafina's character's dad and yep. that's that's basically the whole movie yeah the um the support group i think works that's there's a few times where some of the jokes in there i was like oh that's actually a little like callous almost there's one character who keeps getting interrupted by Renfield anytime he bursts in when she's trying to tell her emotional story and there's a few times like I don't know it felt like they were being a little callous towards her and we never she never got to have her moment which would have made it feel a little bit better but maybe I'm also just I don't like when people are mean in movies (laughs) yeah I wish they would have rounded back to her because I don't know if you realize this but when he brought them all back from the dead I don't think she was there I think they brought back everyone but her (laughs) Well, yeah, that sounds about right for how they were treating her throughout most of the movie. Um, However, Brandon Scott Jones plays the leader of this support group, 
and he had the biggest laughs for me he was hilarious i thought he played it so well he's in um the good place and i did not like his character in that i found him to be kind of annoying in this one there's one moment when uh renfield is finally opening up and he gets all excited or whatever and just like them playing off each other was super great yeah when he says he you could or he or what does he say that way he can't rise to full power. I can rise to full power or whatever. And he's like, yeah, don't know why you put it that way, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that worked super well for me. He was hilarious. Um, I will say the framing of this movie is with the very classic voiceover. And I honestly don't know why it was necessary. They, It was like a show don't tell situation, except they both showed and told. We watched everything unfold. They even a lot of classic callbacks to the very old black and white Dracula movie um, with how they shot the story of Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage's characters, Renfield and Dracula, um, coming together. And I honestly just think start the movie like that, like with a, a shot of the castle and there's like the classic thunder or whatever. And we see him go into servitude and then start the movie where it actually starts and it would flow much better and then you don't have this awkward voice over that it just felt like anytime the producers were like oh no i think someone might be a little confused let's spell it out word for word for them well it's almost like they saw nicholas holt in warm bodies and heard him do the voiceover in that one and then was like we'll just put that in here that works yeah <laughs> so i think that just like it was a little disappointing it could have been a stronger movie i think without that um but also that's that's just how movies go yeah and when we're talking about the serious plot lines that they put in they talk about how renfield had a wife and a daughter that he just abandoned and they took like one kind of serious moment for it and then never really talked about it again i forgot about them yeah <laughs> and also i feel like his wife looked just like what's her name kirsten dunst kirsten dunst maybe, maybe. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, and I think that she should have come back and played her, or they should oh. have showed, if they were going to bring it up at all, they should have had something that showed them as a family or something, or just not brought it up at all, because it didn't have anything to do with the movie, and then he was just like, yeah, I abandoned my wife and kid, the end. Yeah, it didn't further anything, it didn't make me feel more or less pity for him. I think the situation he got himself in, if he's just like a single guy who gets into this situation and it still goes bad because it's dracula then cool whatever like i'd feel the exact same yeah um except then they had to dedicate a few moments and weird serious beats to this subplot that just don't need to be there yeah and then the other one is that aquafina's father was like the chief of police or something and he was killed by the lobos family so now she wants revenge and her sister who's a detective also kind of does but not a ton so the sister's in the fbi and she doesn't want to jeopardize her months-long investigation into the lobos for this one chance at maybe a conviction of one of them um whereas aquafina is far more headstrong and just wants to arrest what's his name Schwartz? teddy Te teddy Schwartz. What? ben ben schwartz ben teddy schwartz. lobos teddy lobos there you go <laughs> um my other issue with, like, that serious plotline, whatever, is that she does have her sister look into the DNA on that pen, 
and she's like this guy could be a serial killer for the ages whatever he has to be like at least 80 years old and then when they see uh nicholas holt's renfield they don't question the fact that he's young and they don't really question the fact that Dracula is just a canon person who's alive. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like, yeah, no, Dracula. I yeah. know him. Literally, Teddy Lobos brings Dracula to his mom, the head of the crime family, and she's like, ooh, great, Dracula. And it's like, you don't look at your son and go, are you okay? Are you feeling it? Like, there's, <laughs> Are you on drugs? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of moments, I think, for comedy. But maybe it's just like that's so tried and true comedy that like they wanted to do other things with it but like i don't know maybe in this universe that the movie takes place in dracula's just a person that they know but then you'd think that they couldn't move around that often or anything the way they are yeah i don't know it definitely there's a few little plot holes and but it's it's not trying to be the most coherent but then when she is like talking about how he's like a serial killer whatever and uh, Aquafina's at his house and is like, yeah, no, I'm not hanging out with the murderer, whatever. She's mad for like two seconds. And then when he's like, but I'm trying to be a good person. She's like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Let's go. Yeah. Everyone just <laughs> kind of gets on board with whatever situation they find themselves in. And I think it's just, it is so complicated. You would never believe somebody that to point that out just paints you into a hole so they were like hopefully no one will notice this if we just avoid touching on how absurd this is yeah i do like in that scene when they're fighting at the apartment complex and nicholas holt rips off that guy's arms that later aquafina picks up one of the arms and beats someone with it yeah that that (laughs) certainly happens yeah i'd say the action in this it's good it there's a few creative moments and set pieces but on the whole it's nothing you haven't really seen before they don't make use of dracula being dracula in any spectacular way it's gore for the sake of gore yeah and like several times when dracula needs to get caught someone can just grab him or hit him and he no longer can turn into bats but if they want him to not get hit then he just turns into bats instantly yeah another odd thing is that renfield's character has to eat bugs in order to get like his super strength powers um and they never really explain why and why it has to be bugs like i'm wondering it would make sense that he has to consume some kind of life form in order to get strength because dracula does as well but like could it be anything why does it have to be weird bugs and weird little boxes yeah, it really just felt like they were like, ooh, it'd be gross to watch him eat CGI bugs. Let's make him do that. But then other times, like, he's eating worms and, like, there's... An ant farm. An ant farm. But, like, it's not just bugs as bugs, like, worms and stuff, like, things that are not technically bugs. So I think it wasn't as well thought out as just, like, ooh, whatever is gross, we'll shove in his mouth. Yeah, it should have been, like, he has to take a life and since he feels guilty doing it he would do bugs you know what i mean yeah um but like i also don't understand how like he eats one spider and he was good for like a 20 minute long fight scene but then he ate like 800 worms and tubs of crickets and stuff and he was good for like four minutes i guess it was for the plot but yeah, how long the powers last seem to just be like, ooh, do we want to make him eat more bugs in this scene or not? Yeah. 
And then they, like, almost had something romantic with him and Aquafina, but then, like, not. And there's not really any conclusion for all the characters to see. Like, is he going to be allowed to live in New Orleans still, even though he's a very well-known murderer, just because he, like, saved some people? Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of ends when yeah. the movie's over. Yeah. Like, I know that we killed Dracula-ish, maybe, put him into a little concrete and whatever. I also would have split up the pieces instead of all dumping them the same place, but whatever. But also, like, not all of the crime family dies besides, you know, Ben Schwartz, who poops his pants. But other than that, like... I think the mom still is alive, or at least they don't show her getting murdered, I don't think. Yeah, I don't remember. So it's like, is she still alive? Because she could just keep running a crime crime city. Yeah. I I don't have any answers for you. <laughs> yeah, so there's not really much resolution. Um, I do like, you know, Nicholas Holt's cute little sweaters in his cute little apartment and stuff. I like the idea of the movie. I just think that it wasn't executed as well as it could have been. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't resolved as great as it could have been, which led it to not be the best movie. Yeah, I think it's going to be another one of those that's just like, it came out, we watched it, it wasn't a bad time, but it's not, we're not going to remember it down the line. It's not going to be one we recommend to people all the time. It just, it's its a movie that we've seen. Yeah. Like I said, great Halloween party movie. Fun, anything with your friends, whatever, but not really one to super recommend. Uh, what's your overall rating? I'm going to give it, I'm going to be nice and give it a 7 out of 10 because it's not trying to be anything too much more than what it is. Um it's only a seven because it even at what it is trying to be it doesn't perfectly execute it but it was it was a fun trip to the theater yeah i would give it like a six and a half probably it was fine yeah i think that's fair Alrighty, that concludes our thoughts on renfield and we are going to move on to a thousand and one i got a war for you you know that against this whole city but they're not breaking us up this time all right, 1001 is directed by A.V. Rockwell and was the Grand Jury Prize winner for a dramatic feature film at this year's Sundance Festival, um, something that I almost went to and then just didn't quite work out. Super bummed about that. Yeah, especially because we're local and we haven't gone yet. Yeah, super disappointing that we didn't make it this year, but here's to next year. Anyway, for the film, um, it centers on the life of a boy uh as almost as seen through his mother's eyes um and her struggles with raising him and their situation at a couple different points um again this is no spoilers so this is just kind of stuff from the very brief synopsis you find if you just google the movie or trailers and whatever um he's supposed to be in the foster system and she steals him out of that uh and they then grow up together uh, in a low-income situation in New York City. Yep, it was... I mean, this is definitely one that would... 
of course it was Everett's pick so it makes sense but definitely more one for him than it would be a movie for me um he's not too fond of like the piece of what is it slice of life slice of life type films i don't really like anything that's doesn't have some kind of climactic moment i like something to happen and it's just kind of their life for i don't know 18 years not really i guess like 10 years i think the parts of this film that really work are the visuals um hair and makeup costuming the locations look really good um and definitely the performances uh tayana taylor in the lead role i think she was phenomenal in this um and uh each person who played the son as he grew up i think did a an admirable job keeping the character consistent across three different actors can be really challenging and i don't think there's any any time in the film where it feels like he's completely changed to somebody new it still feels like the same character um however what lets this film down for me uh, is the the structure they go with um it's this boy as he grows up but they clearly favor two portions of the story and not a third that just honestly didn't add much it just was like oh we need another 20 minutes of runtime and i normally advocate for movies over tv but i really feel like a limited series that took more time with each of these timelines or like one season per era would have been much better just because it does span from he's like three or four no he would be i would say he was probably 10 oh wow that old yeah because then it says four years later and that's when he's a teen hitting on that girl in the restaurant i guess and then it's four more years and they say he's 18 okay but the first bit he could have that could have been a couple years and it just doesn't really clarify yeah so it spans you know late elementary school then there's like middle school high school uh and then senior year um but the the issue with that is just trying to cover all of that ground in one film is a lot it's also it's 116 minutes so little shy of two hours and not that that's a short movie but when you're trying to encompass the entire life of a child all of the perspective of the mother give the father enough screen time to understand his role in the situation introduce some friends and side characters uh introduce very deep and nuanced topics like um stop and frisk and stuff that happened relevantly within new york city in this era um people getting kicked out of apartments gentrification all of that kind of stuff is very much a part of this film and i think it it lost itself a little bit trying to cover all of these things in just a two-hour movie yeah for sure it's it's a it is a serious movie and it is has a lot to say and is really bold filmmaking and really trying to put something out there but i think it's a little too ambitious and had this film centered on either when he was at his youngest or when he was at his oldest and just had a couple flashbacks to give you context um i think it would work a lot better and be even more impactful that being said it did win grand jury at sundance so 
you know, it's clearly a lot of people have resonated with this film and I don't I don't begrudge them that. Yeah, I will say another thing is that besides the son, it was kind of hard to like any of the characters because right when I started to like one of them, I'd find out something and I'd be like, oh, you kind of suck, actually. So. Yeah, I think it doesn't, it does that thing where it's not trying to paint anyone as a hero or a villain. They're just who they are. And sometimes it doesn't give you enough positive with some of the characters. Um, but yeah, Tayana Taylor as the, the mother in the film is exceptional. I think her ability to convey a person who's always been battling and fighting against the system and the world around her and to go from zero to a hundred back down to zero right back to a hundred and not have it feel over the top or anything is really impressive yeah she's probably the least likable character but the best played character yeah she's the least likable because she she's one of those people who's her own worst enemy and anytime you're like oh you're right on the cusp of making the right decision one person says something and she goes off the rails and can't can't bring herself to make her life better yeah but Um, even in like calmer moments like she just can't quite like the character obviously you know is written this way for a reason but she can't quite ever open up no matter what they talk about it a little bit with their romantic relationship with her and Lucky. Um, Lucky's the husband. Yes. Uh, why she can't quite open up to him or whatever, which we'll go over in spoilers, but they don't really talk about it too much with her and the child, why she never once in the movie really says that she loves him. Like, she just can't open up to him, I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. I That wasn't so much an issue for me. I thought it was very much just like she's always 100% in defense mode, and that applies to both her and her son. Um, no, I know it makes sense. I'm just saying it's like that's another reason she's not likable. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> also, I want to shout out uh, Eric Yu, Yue, who is the cinematographer on this film. It is a gorgeously shot film. Um it's really really pretty the rich colors on the color grade as well really help with that um usually i feel like when you see anything set anywhere five years prior to present day the default of just like oh this is old is to wash out the colors unless it's like over the top neon in like the 70s or 80s or something Whereas this film did not do that, it decided to give a really saturated, colorful, realistic portrait of New York City at the time, Um, and it was really pretty to look at. I do feel like also the colors and like with the costumes and stuff match where they are in their lives, Mm because, you know, when she's in her, she's what, 22 at the beginning of the movie? I think so. Um, she's wearing like bright reds, like bright lipstick, her hair is always done, like, you know, and then as she gets older and isn't filling, fulfilling the dreams that she thought she would, it's like her clothes get duller and duller. Like when she's first getting married, they're like white and she's like, you know, kind of bright, but a little less as their relationship continues. And then by the end, I'm pretty sure she only wears black. 
Yeah. So. And same, she she's a hairdresser or was a hairdresser at the start of the film and then keeps trying to be one, but it's just not working out for her. And at the start, again, like her hair is always done up in a brand new hairdo. And then slowly as the film goes, it just turns into whatever was easiest that morning to get her hair to do yeah. is what she wears. Um, another thing uh, about this film that doesn't work for me is there's some weird continuity jumps or lack of explanations. There were three scenes in a row that I, or three locations in a row that I thought were sequential moments. And yet each time her hair went from unbraided to lightly braided to like super tight braids that I, in my brain, I was like, oh, is this one time? Because she would not have had enough time from them walking down the stairs to have done her hair like that. And so maybe I missed something, uh, but that stood out to me. There's another time there's just another kid in the apartment playing with them. I, I don't know who that is. I you don't... didn't know who that was? No, who was it? That wasn't the apartment. They were staying at a rental room in a house, and the woman who she was talking no, to... No, when they're playing basketball with Lucky in the house. Oh. Yeah, they just have another kid there's two kids yeah you're right lucky and the mom at first i thought it was gonna be lucky's son or something yeah and then he just disappears again yeah maybe it was that random boy from before and they're still friends (laughs) yeah maybe they brought but like again it it didn't explain that and it was it was distracting because it kept showing me characters and stuff that i thought i was supposed to get invested in and then they wouldn't show up again there's also her best friend who takes her in and stuff when she's at a low point disappears for a good hour hour and a half of the movie she's heavily featured at the start disappears shows up again towards the end and i really liked her character and she was a beacon of hope and goodness in this film um and so i think she could have played a bigger role in it yeah i agree all right and so that'll conclude our non-spoiler thoughts for a thousand and one uh we're gonna move into spoilers now so i think the biggest spoiler to get out of the gate right at the top is um it's not her son it's not her child she found him on a corner she was in a rough spot and got to know this kid on the corner who was supposed to be in foster care or was missing from he had run away or i think his parents just abandoned him because she said she waited for hours on the corner for anyone to come back and collect him yeah but he does have like a record in the foster or maybe because then she goes to prison and when she gets out of jail um out of rikers she goes back to find him and he's been put into foster care and she steals him from there so for 75 95 percent of the movie somewhere in that range you think it's her child that she's stolen back um and then it turns out it's not and it makes it does give a lot of context to some earlier scenes and why she's like so afraid not just of like being caught by the police but of anyone finding out outside of her um and lucky. why yeah why lucky is so against this situation when he first comes back into the picture when he gets out of jail um he's very like no this isn't what i like that's not okay that's this isn't not what my we son do. is what he says yeah and, and she's like no like we're doing this or whatever and he eventually gets on board more or less but yeah. uh yeah it's it's not her child yeah and it's one of those areas that's like it's a shocking reveal somewhat i would say more it's surprising i didn't see that coming 
I don't really know what it adds to the film. Yeah. So again, I think if they just focused when he was young, she takes him, we find out he's not hers, the law either catches up with her or they evade it some way, like, and just tell that story of him as a child, this film is way better. Um, Especially as he gets older, turns out, oh, he's so smart, he gets into all the top high schools and gonna get scholarships to ivy league schools or go anywhere he wants and i just feel like that's such a like stereotypical plot of like oh the troubled child who's actually a genius and then it's the fact that he needs his paperwork to go to college and get a job and stuff that they find all of this out um and i just i feel like that i don't want to say lazy but it's just like i've i've seen that so many times that i just feel like making him just a kid would have been far more impactful instead yeah. of some like destined for greatness kind of guy yeah i also don't know why we i don't want to say wasted all that time having lucky in the hospital dying but like it didn't really it had like three scenes maybe three scenes that showed that he did love the son and the son loved him and they had a good relationship But besides that, it was, like, trying to be very emotional and then wasn't. I guess it was so that, like, he could tell the mom that she needed to tell him the truth. But he could have done that anyways. And that's another thing I was saying about the characters being unlikable is later we find out that he had a a fair partner, I'm gonna guess, or a different woman he was seeing. And he had, like, a five or six-year-old child with this other woman while he was still married to her. So it's like they finally made him likable and then killed him off and then he was unlikable again. And then like the mom, she'd be likable for like two seconds and then she'd go back to screaming at them or we find out she's a kidnapper. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Yeah, it, it definitely, I think the movie needed to focus itself a bit better and slow down. It, it was moving at a mile a minute a lot of the time you would jump through these moments they are at her her friend's house who's taken her in just after she's gotten released from jail and steals the child <laughs> uh, and lets her hide out there i've got to assume she knows it's not actually her kid no she doesn't oh, okay because she said i had him when me and lucky were broken up okay interesting i thought because i spent the whole movie trying to figure out how old she was when she had him because it said that she was 22 and i was like that kid looks like he's like 10 years old and i was like that just doesn't make sense you know but yeah yeah. um okay so yeah she's with the friend and they've been taken in and then she has a dust up with the mom because she can't just let um slight on her go and so she literally shoves this old lady in the back and hurts her um and so then they have to go find an apartment she finds one there's another kid in the building seems like a nice old lady she's like there i even know where i can get you a job yeah it's gonna be like a two-hour commute but if you want to protect your son this is what you've got to do and it seemed like that's the route the film was going and then next scene they're in a brand new apartment didn't know they were looking for a new one didn't know she yeah was moving out or anything they're there suddenly lucky's there there's this random kid i mentioned before then they're gone and then suddenly he's in middle school yeah 
and it's just it it moves so fast that you don't get time to process everything and i think there's a lot here that is good but again if it was spread out over 10 episodes you might be able to tell this entire story in detail yeah i also find it really i know that it's her character and i know that that's like why she was written that way and whatever but how supportive everyone in her life is of her for her to just be so awful like her friend takes her in no matter what even after she shoves her mom is still supportive of her calls in checks on the son watches the son all the time like they talk about that that she babysits him a lot while she goes to work whatever and like lucky is always supportive of her like towards the end before he you know dies Uh, she's talking she's like I think once he goes to college that's when I'll finally open up my hair salon and he goes oh I'd love to see it I can't wait to see it you know and it's like you've been talking about it for your whole life and you haven't done it yet it's like very clear it's never gonna happen for her but they're always just like yeah no I can't wait you know and then she's just mean (laughs) yeah I don't know I've I've known people in that that situation not obviously that exact situation but people like that who even with this loving environment around them just fight back against it had every chance and the people around them continue to try and accept them but i don't want to cheer for someone like that and i wish the police would have caught her (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it ends without any sort of real consequence or resolution Yeah. yeah And you don't even get to find out if the son actually accepted any of the schools that he got into or what one he's going to. I guess she did her hair again at the end. Yep, she did. (laughs) Yeah, it's... And it's not that there needs to be, like, she gets thrown back in prison because she's an awful person or whatever, but, like, some sort of, like, her son pulls away from her or something, or she... Because he immediately forgives her and then tries... It helps her get away. Yeah. And it's, I think what they're going for is kind of like, almost like Stockholm Syndrome. This is the woman who raised him and was there for him for better or for worse, worse at many times, but was there for him and a constant in his life since he was little. Like a found family situation. And so, of course, even though she's put him in this awful situation and she's causing more issues and whatnot, he does love her and see her as his mother. And so he can't bring himself but at the same like again it just it needed more time for that to be emotionally impactful in full i do agree about the mini series or something like that limited series yeah there's a lot here to like um yeah and i think it's just it needed more time to build yeah and i definitely i think the director av rockwell seems super talented and I, I am excited to see what she does next yeah. because it the was a... actors were talented. Everything was great. It just needed more time. Yeah. And, and again, like that's just, it's one of those things where you only get so much budget and so much time convincing someone to fund an entire series and shoot for that long versus, Oh, we're going to make just a quick two hour movie with, you know, locations that can be shot primarily on like one city block. Yeah. yeah. I, I get it. But yeah, all right, so what would you give this one? I'd probably give it a six. That's fair. I think I've got to rate it higher than Renfield, just personally. Yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy it that more. That makes sense. <laughs> so I think I'll give it seven and a half or eight. Just, it is like a better 
film as like a piece of art it says far more than Renfield but as a piece of entertainment this movie was a little slow and Renfield was far more engaging and exciting yeah which is why I have to you know Renfield for me hit in some parts missed in some parts but overall I'd put it like a 6.5 6.8 maybe but this one is probably like a 6 because it's kind of hard to hold my engagement with movies and yeah it's it was good but it wasn't great i think that's fair you a blessing for your mom especially you're getting older now time for you to start thinking for yourself Alrighty, thank you guys for listening uh, we put out new episodes every Monday. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Nerd and Normie. Alrighty, thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.